Hi, this is Edward James Olmos, Admiral Adama, to many of you, and you're listening to Galactica Quorum. It's a fracking podcast. Think about it. A lot of makeup and candy right there. Too many characters and not enough focus. Well, dude, let's go check out what this thing does. Hello, welcome to the Galactica Quorum. It's a fracking podcast. It's a fracking podcast about Battlestar Galactica and Caprica. This is episode 89. My name is Brian. I'm Dimitri. And I'm Jesse. You can find us on the web at galacticacorum.com. Our email is gquorum at gmail.com. That's spelled G-Q-U-O-R-U-M at gmail.com. Our voicemail is 301-358-5175. Follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter name is galacticacorum. That's one word. And you can also follow us on Facebook. For this episode, we'll be talking about the Caprica episode, The Imperfection of Memory. We have not listened to the official sci-fi podcast for this episode. We have no spoilers to give out, but we will be speculating. There is some Battlestar news. It's been a while, but we have a news item that came across during the sci-fi upfronts where they talked about some of their new shows they're developing for the next TV season. And the nugget that came out of it was they're in the beginning stages of another Battlestar Galactica spinoff. Gave no indication about what it could be, whether it would be another prequel or something along the lines of a side thing like... Pegasus. The quote from the executive was, we're looking for other ways to spin off Battlestar beyond Caprica. That world is so rich, we're sitting down with Ron Moore and his team. It would not necessarily be a traditional series. I'm not sure what that means, but I'm not the least bit surprised. Last year, I said that I thought they'd be stupid to completely let the franchise die because there's just so much to it. I'm reading this where Moore was quoted as saying... They said, and they being the sci-fi execs, we have this concept for a format in which to do a show. Would you be interested? Mm. I don't know whether to be happy or sad that this isn't coming from David Icke and Ron Moore. This is coming from the sci-fi channel is saying, hey, how about this? Would mm-hmm. you want to play in this playground? And they're going, hmm, that sounds interesting. I think it was inevitable. The Stargateization of Battlestar happened where there's... Battlestar Columbia instead of Battlestar Galactica, or which I would not be opposed to as long as it was done well. I love naval sci-fi and that whole type of genre and military sci-fi. So I'd be on board with it if they could bring in good characters. And But if there's a story, I mean, it couldn't just be... That's the thing with Caprica that's kind of leaving me less than enthused is where is the overall story going right now? Uh-huh. From episode to episode... Basically, we have a story of characters, which is okay, but I just don't know if there's an overall story other than the one god set up and the Cylon evolution, but it's just sort of vague. And You had said that the first Cylon War would make a good series. Right. Yeah, I'm not the first to say that, but yeah. But yeah, so I agree with you. That would be something worth seeing. There's things they could do that you'd go, okay, that would be kind of cool. I think with Caprica, I've been trying to pinpoint this for a long time. Again, going back to just the overall arc and story of the series, from episode to episode, you want to see some sort of progression to something that's going to progress the series. Like with Lost, they have a basic premise. They need to get off the island. 
with Battlestar Galactica, they needed to find Earth. They never quite make super strides in what they need to accomplish. And sometimes they have huge setbacks. But every once in a while, there's some sort of mini reward that you're given. Like Battlestar Galactica, they find a water asteroid. That's a bit of a success. So they can cheer and they can say, yes, today was a good day. And on Lost, someone might you might find out someone's backstory and learn more about that character. Or they get into the hatch or they something progresses. Maybe it's not a huge leap, but they go up one more rung on the ladder to whatever they need to get. This story so far, each episode just seems to further entrench them in misery. <laughs> I think viewers need just a few little nuggets of an episode where, yay, so-and-so character won the day that time. The closest was when he won the board's backing was the closest thing you can say. Right, which also was the, probably, I think we all agree, the best episode yes, so absolutely. far. Yes, absolutely. And Tamara winning the day that she defeated her enemies and showed what's going on. So right. I think that proves your point very well. So would there be interest in seeing a series of what happened when they landed on Earth, that no. we see it. No, no, nope. just flat. Not you don't want to see Adama, see nope. Apollo. Just that's dead. Don't see it. Well, it wouldn't be sci-fi because they sent everything to the sun. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I don't want to get to the what is sci-fi thing again. I mean, it would be sci-fi because it would be an alternate future or an alternate past, or it would be a it's fantastic our past, past. Brian, it would be our past. So, okay, fair enough. I just was asking the question. How dare you? I, no, and I think it would be a cheat. I no, it's not just that I wouldn't want to do it. Ron Moore would absolutely veto that 100%. That would never happen. Never, mm-hmm. never. That would be like him saying, my ending wasn't correct, so okay. we need to have a coda to it and an All epilogue, right. another series as an epilogue. Another Battlestar item to bring up is there's going to be a Battlestar Galactica MMO coming out. But before you get all excited, it's a browser-based MMO so it's not going to be like World of Warcraft. It's going to be just something lame. What's an MMO? Massively multiplayer online game, like World of Warcraft or oh. something like that. One other news item, congratulations to James Callas. He's joining the cast of Eureka. So good for him. Absolutely. Last episode, we didn't do any voicemails or emails. I am going to still kind of try to keep those light because I am still trying to catch up a little bit on the regular schedule. I do have a couple, though, that are pertinent to some of our recent discussions, so I will get to those. I won't get to all of them, and the voicemails will have to wait as well, but we will get to them, I promise. This one comes from Thomas, who is a listener from Germany. Thomas writes, I hope there won't be a Zoe copy in every Cylon Centurion. He mentions an email that we wrote describing a possible scene of a Cylon military parade, and he says, The next image I had in mind, there are three Zoes in the Cylon Raider, and one of them is wearing a gold dress by your command. And that is not what I want to see. (laughs) He continues, I think, hope that only part Zoe will remain with the Cylons. One part would be the belief in one true God and the urge to make the humans believe in this as well. And when humanity refuses to believe, it has to be wiped out. And this causes the first Cylon War. I think that's a good point because I am not a fan of the Zoe character. I don't like her angsty bitchiness. Oh, and we saw it this episode. (laughs) But one thing I think they've totally abandoned is her one God belief. It seems like she has a singular purpose to get to Geminon just because she is important. I don't see her mentioning the one God. I don't see her talking about faith. I don't see her talking about any kind of thing like that. It seems like that is 
so removed right now from her. I don't know if that's telling about the character. I guess you could look at it that way, that she now is thinks of herself on a more superior level than just the regular acolytes of that faith. Is it because the Avatar is a composite of her and so it's this memory of her i mean it's like a ghost has just one focus on maybe because it's not truly zoe that's a really good discussion point and actually i have an email from mary who has kind of a similar take on it she writes on your last episode there was a discussion where it was implied that the avatar zoe should have told her parents that she was a silent zoe because zoe had forgiven her mother before the maglev exploded my thought is that person Zoe is dead, and unless she slipped on a holoband or downloaded into V-World, there's no way Avatar Zoe knows that she doesn't think her parents are complete assholes. And all she has to go on is what person Zoe told her before she died and what she has learned since that time, basically developing as an individual being. Now, does she know how she died? Lacey probably would have told her. Yeah, yeah because they've had conversations. Her and Lacey okay. were like, well, you didn't get on the train. You know? Well, I did. That's right. So she does know. And I guess it comes back to this conceit they have of what makes the Avatar. At first, it was a complete copy of the original person. And so it was like, I am the person. I'm not a living and breathing person, but I'm the same person. They kept making that point. Now they are coming a little bit different angle and they're saying, well, it's not a perfect copy. It's an analog copy. So that's a little bit different. I don't know if that's an inconsistency or if that's just a wrinkle that they're throwing in. But as for her knowing what her person Zoe did, I'm uh, not sure. And if we get really deep, because this avatar has no soul, therefore maybe that's why she's not searching for the one true God or any has any concern about religion at all. Yeah, now that's when you could have some interesting discussions because the whole Cylon belief, as we know in Battlestar, was that they were following the one god. But at that point, before the final five showed back up, it was all machines. So what were they doing with no souls trying to have some sort of connection with the divine god? Yeah. Mary has a little bit more for her email. She writes, what I have trouble with is that the big bad silence started out as a spoiled little teenage avatar. I think the premise may be a red herring since avatar Zoe knows that she is not in fact really Zoe while the Avatar Tamara does think she is the real thing. I think Tamara may end up being more important than Zoe in the silent evolution. Actually, we brought that idea up last podcast, so there might be something to that. And then she continues, I know that that's not a popular theory as it would mean Admiral Adama's sister is part of the silent mythology, but I chalked that up to the Forrest Gump theory of screenwriting. It's just not interesting if your main characters aren't involved in everything. Yes. I think Avatar Zoe or Robot Zoe, or I don't know how we designate her. Again, we have to go back to the movie, but she thinks she's perfect copy of zoe so i think she thinks in a way she is her unless she has like this perhaps parts missing that's making her even more than usual for a teenager off base you were saying that she only know as much as her real self had told her when she was still alive so maybe you're out in the real world you're doing stuff and then you hollow band and you're in the avatar world at that point does your avatar download so to speak your memories from since the last time you were there. I don't think that's the way it works. Part of it is the way they explained how Zoe first created the Avatar by collecting all... Remember they said it's a collection of all of your trail that you've left throughout your life. like your All your tests, tweets. You, all your, your tweets, tweets, your blogs, your medical records, your... Right, your receipts. Uh, yeah. And I thought that was not believable because, yeah, that's not a complete composite. It's part of it, but it's not 
by any stretch a complete composite. It's a lot of makeup and candy right there. Right. She should have been more of a bimbo avatar. <laughs> if you just take what <laughs> yeah. girls, what teenage girls buy, she would, she'd look like a huge Slurpee with makeup on. <laughs> yeah. So as far as how much memories was shared, I don't know. And I'm sorry we keep having to go back to compare it to Battlestar, but it's hard to not to get that frame of reference out of my mind. When the models would resurrect, they would have a complete memory of what previous models had done. And even models within their line were able to share memories. This is different. And I don't think they're trying to make it sound like it is the same. But maybe that's the genesis of where that came from. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there is just a little inconsistency about how much Zoe is truly the original Zoe. Uh I think there's no inconsistency in her thinking that she is the original Zoe, because I think that's part of her character. That's fine with me. What I have trouble with is they might have changed along the way the foundation of just what she is. We had a post from Martin who writes, the pacing is painful and the character development seems to lack any real thought. The only character I really care about is William Adama, and then only because we know how he turns out, which makes his upbringing interesting, or at least for a little while. That said, he continues, recall that Next Generation, Star Trek Next Generation, was not just bad, but it was abysmal for the first two and a half seasons. Patrick Stewart was wooden and uncomfortable. Brent Spiner had no idea how to play Data. Worf had no purpose until Tasha Yar got eaten by that tar monster. And it finally came into its own with yesterday's Enterprise, midway through season three. That's true. I will say that from all indications that I've read, the show went through massive tinkering, basically the first seven, eight, nine episodes. And I would not be surprised if the last ten which I don't know when they're going to do the last 10, because they're coming up to the mid-season break, believe it or not, already. I would not be surprised if the last 10 are going to be completely different in tone and uh, perhaps in structure than what we've seen so far. I hope they find a really good editor. Figure out what's the story we want to tell and let's tell it. I have a thing that I wanted to bring up. It's Just like in Star Wars, the prequels, we have all this fantastic CGI and we have all this technology here on earth that we can create all those great movies and so all the tech in star wars even though everything is happening many 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 years ago all the tech seems to be far higher tech than the star wars that we grew up with right and so the same thing is happening here caprica is 50 years ago before the battlestar galactica that we so like yet the tech seems to be a lot of it well i mean they do have the airships with the propellers but then they have like the vipers that they were flying in the avatar world there seems to be a mismatch of crazy tech going all over the place but some of it seems to be very high tech and far superior to the future of battlestar galactica I forgive a little bit of that. I mean, I know they're trying to go for a 50s look with the hats and kind of the suits. And so they're trying to make a pre-world yet future. But I think you've got a valid point. I have to tell you, I was amused by the shtick of trying to make, you know, he thinks he can fly and the kid giving him a hard time. And then what are you doing? <laughs> that is a nice little bit. But if I was him, I wouldn't spend any time at all out in the middle of the street doing a stick. If, yeah. if the whole point of the game is to stay alive, do that in an alley or something. And Don't do it in the middle of the street. Okay, I guess let's go ahead and since we've kind of talked a little bit about it, let's move into our discussion of this episode. Here then is the recap for the episode. 
the episode is called 12 Bottles of Booze Left, I'm a Lesbian. Yeah. The, <laughs> the imperfections of memory. Amanda's going a bit crackers. I mean, everywhere she goes, Clarice is there. There she is at the bombing memorial wall. And hey, it's that guy. The one she keeps seeing in a trippy flashback. Joseph finds Gamer Tad, and since the back alley is as good a place as any, they jack into New Cap City. Joseph is a complete noob, and Tad has to quickly show him the ropes. The place is totally PvP. A BG with no factions. There's no respawn. There's no such thing as HK. People off you without a thought. Before Joseph can ask for a translation, planes strafe the open boulevard he's dumbly standing on. Dude, you're pulling serious aggro. Get it. Ah! And Tad is out of the game. For good. Meanwhile, Amanda sees an auto accident and heads to the scene. Someone's injured. Is there a doctor in the house? Uh, maybe? No. She goes off chasing that phantom again. She ends up going on a date with Clarice to get massively medicated. There, as they lounge intimately close to each other, she confesses the person she keeps seeing is her brother Darius. But he can't really be there, because he's dead. Yet it keeps appearing, apparently just in her head. Sort of a head Darius. He's always having a V-World date with Philemon. She suggests in a roundabout way that he should take the E-187 out for walks, but he grabs onto another idea that could be applied to copying the silent AI. Daniel is still puzzling over why the MCP is only working in this robot. If only there was something different about this one. Zoe would probably know. She had an inside view of that machine. If only she had said something about it before her Avatar program crashed. Hey, what's this? The dog wants to play fetch with the robot. That's different. Daniel walks up to the E-187. I know you. Roll credits. Okay. First comments. Who wants to jump in? I rewatched it, and there were more individual bits that I enjoyed than I originally thought. But unlike the Sky episode, the whole episode didn't intrigue me or captivate me. They're just rewatching it and go, well, that's not a bad scene, and that's not a bad scene. But it wasn't a fully episode that kept me glued to the set. I'll agree with that as well. Maybe I shouldn't give this away, but I was actually working and watching it at the same time. <laughs> but I did find myself more interest in scenes and seemed to be a little more sci-fi in here. So that did draw my attention. So you know, I'm, I'm entertained overall. And Brian, before you give your thoughts, I got to give them a little credit and you, because you called it last week when you said it felt like a typical setup episode. I had complained, and a lot of us did, about this whole blind date with Zoe and the lab tech boy, Philemon, or whatever his name is. Mm. And this, there was a decent payoff in this. Is she setting him up to help her escape? Mm -hmm. And so when you look at it in context, you were right. It was a setup, and it makes a little more sense. So retroactively, I'm like, okay, well, that's why she did that, and that's not as irritating. I do have to say that it was Jason's idea that she was doing the setup and mine was more along the lines that she was just lonely for actual interaction with people, and which is why she was doing the, the Philemon thing, which going back to a point I made last time was I just felt they've been maybe purposefully, but I don't think so. Just the way they've been showing and editing her scenes, like the dancing robot scene, which some people hated, some people liked. I just thought it was kind of cute, mainly because... When they showed her dancing, she had this expression on her face like she was really digging it. She was like, this is cool. I'm actually getting to move like a girl again. Again, I just come back to the way the actress performed it and the way that her expression was. It was kind of joyful. And she doesn't have to put on any kind of face at all when she's interacting with Philemon because 
she's just the robot. You know, we see her. It's entirely a conceit that the audience sees her as Zoe. No one else does. So there's no reason whatsoever for her. She could be sitting there going, you know, just sticking your tongue at him the whole time. And there's no reason for her to make a face like goo goo eyes, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so why would they have shown her sometimes showing puppy dog eyes at him and sometimes looking at him like he's cuckoo, unless it was to make us confused or if they just didn't know at the time. Um, I just don't like her. I mean, she's, <laughs> she's, she's being mean to Lacey. She's mad at Lacey because Lacey was smart enough not to get on the train. I did not like those scenes together where she just really showed her childish behavior. The teenage angst is just getting old on me, and I'm fine with teenage drama, but just her being a little spoiled brat doesn't make her a likable character, and it doesn't even make her a unlikable character. You know, there are people that you just, Baltar, I did like Baltar, but I liked not liking him. Mm-hmm. You know what's interesting is that you keep on mentioning that teenage angst and she did get on the train and she was running away. All those things the teenager has, but for some reason it bothers me that she's still in the basement, right? If I was a teenager, if I found myself dead one day and then all of a sudden I found myself in a robot, you know, okay, so maybe the first couple of days I'd just be like, I'd stay in my, in my little case and I wouldn't move. But after a while I'd be like, well, dude, let's go check out what this thing does. You know, I'd go outside, I'd run around, I'd jump, I'd hit stuff, you know. I'd see if I had any bells and whistles. What bells and whistles do I have, you know? I mean, just go blow shit up. I don't know. You know what I mean? It bothers me she's yeah. still in the basement. I mean, you keep on saying teenage angst. So teenage angst doesn't just stand there and do anything. You need to rebel. You're pent up with all kinds of emotions. She's not acting like a teenager. I think it's important, too, to make a distinction that it's okay to have a teenager who's going through teenagery type of behaviors and moods and angst. It's just that her, for whatever reason, is not a very likable character. She's got a bad attitude. So, you know, nobody likes people with a bad attitude. Yeah, I don't think that has anything to do with her being a teen or being whatever. It's just she's a brat. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If she had redeeming things that she did that were nice and she was good and then she became a jerk, you'd be like, okay, well, she's a jerk because of this particular moment or this particular action, but she's really a nice girl on her knees, but she's not a nice girl on her knees. Which is, again, why I think Lacey is more interesting of a character because she's she's more vulnerable and I can see her at some point developing a hard edge and perhaps having a somewhat dark side, but seeing her transgress to that place, I think is more interesting than already having this bratty character. Before we do depart the U87 and Zoe theme, like you said, Dimitri, her standing there for so long, it's just so boring, so boring in so many episodes. And I was trying to think, where have I seen this before? Which has taken so long. And the first thing that came to my mind was remember like, was it Heroes Season 2 when Maya was like taking like oh forever, God, forever to get out of, of Central American country or wherever she was from? Yeah. And it was just like episode after episode where she'd go to one town and then all these, you know, something would happen and the pe- her eyes would bleed and people would die. And then the next episode, the same thing would happen. It was like, enough, God, please just get where you're supposed to go. Yeah. Same thing. It's exactly like that. And I'm like, just move on. and Get where you're supposed to go and die instantaneously. Yeah. God, I'm so glad I don't watch that crap anymore. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so let's move on to what really was, I think, the A story of this episode, which was Amanda and the continuing 
evolution of her character or de-evolution or de-evolution. You could say it's making her uh, a deeper character, but I don't know. It seems like she's becoming more dependent on other characters to me where she started off again. I'm not going to harp on this too much longer, but she started off as this one type of character gave up her role as physician. And then now she's completely dependent on Clarice for companionship. She is dependent on booze. She's dependent on pot pot. Now is that the reason why she's seeing her brother? Is it that simple of a story? Is that she's going insane? Because that well, just I, seems awful simple. Well, that's why I think that there is a conscious decision for them to have us recollect the whole head six, head Baltar thing. Mm-hmm. At least make us think about it. Maybe they won't go in that direction, but they probably want us to, at least in the back of our minds, say, huh, I wonder if this is anything having to do with angels or whatever. Should she be that upset they're moving the unofficial memorial? I mean, should she be as hysterical as she was? I thought her reaction was a little, was over the top. Okay. Well, she seems to be doing that a lot. I mean, obviously, going back to that infamous, my daughter's a terrorist scene, Mm -hmm. she has a lot of these sort of outbreaks. And then speaking of that, like, I was thinking, you know, when she was doing that, it was interesting that in such a short time, everyone has forgotten that she's the terrorist's mom. Yeah. And the other point you've made several times... Brian is about her being a doctor and how they've kind of drifted that away. There's mm-hmm. an accident and they give her the out that somebody else says, move aside. I'm a doctor. Right. But instead of being obsessed with what you think is your dead brother, shouldn't the physicians part of you kick in and say, I'm a doctor too, and help this person versus chasing a ghost. Mm. I think that was definitely an intentional writing choice. I think that was something that, they wanted to make a point that she's so out of it that yeah. she couldn't raise her hand and go, hey, maybe I can help here. If they're going to make her crazy, they should push it a little bit more. Like, her hair should be messed up. She should be wearing high-water pants. That's a, that's a great giveaway of a crazy person. You know what I mean? Like, like she should look, she should start falling apart. Her physical appearance should start falling apart at the same time that her mental appearance is falling apart. Because if you're going nuts, you're no longer taking care of yourself, I don't think, mm-hmm. right? Your mind has, has left reality. And so I'm saying lots of things, but just a little bit. Like, if she's really, truly going to go nuts, she has to, her appearance has to change. If we're going to talk about Amanda, we have to talk a little bit about our, the Daniel and Amanda marriage, which obviously is going through the motions. They're not connecting at all. They have scenes where they seem to have some sort of intimacy, but it's very strained. Very perfunctory. Yeah, it's just not there. And I think at some point that's going to spill over. Well, it was a strange scene when she's bragging about the person giving the booze to her. And he's like, should I be jealous? And she's answering vague. He almost looked a little jazzed. I don't know if that's because he is looking forward to the competition or the idea of a open marriage. I I don't know, but it was... You, was, you almost don't know because in this society that they have set up, yeah, who knows? And maybe that's something that they might be game for. I don't yeah. know. The way they shot it, the way they set it up, her and Clarice sitting there, dazed, looking at each other dreamily. You're just like, are they really going to go there? Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, no, if you want to watch that scene, you have to uh, bring out your credit card, get online, and get a password. <laughs> or the DVD extras. Right. Yeah. With three X's. What do you think of Clarice? I thought last episode 
the one where her family tells her, you need to go in there and get some information. She seemed sort of not having much motivation to do it. This episode, I don't know if she, the taste of success made her have more confidence, but in this one, she took the initiative herself and seemed to be more like in charge of the rest of them. But I still don't know where her character is going. They've, again, talk about characters who have abandoned their roles. You never see her at the school. Yeah, She's always off doing something else. Is it summer vacation? I mean, how does she find time to do all this stuff? She's a nun, right? And so it seems a little weird that Amanda would be lazing around sexy-like, drinking one of 12 bottles of super wicked, powerful booze and smoking pot with a nun in some sort of dive and then going back to the house and laying around on the couch. Well, again, we don't know. It's For all we know, they could have it set up that priests and nuns are the... Pimps and hookers of the world. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? <laughs> I'm having a party for my friend. I need a couple of nuns. <laughs> well, and, you know, and if you're, they're worshiping similar to the Greek gods, so the priestess mm-hmm. would have be involved with it. And she's in a group marriage, so we know she's not celibate. Mm-hmm. Because they have the scene where they were all in bed together. Right. She did seem a very strong character in the school, and it was something interesting. And she has kind of, as the whole show kind of drifted. Um, I made the note that too many characters and not enough focus. And mm-hmm. I think that would be my summary of Caprica. I do know that you're going to correct me again. You're the one that says they're throwing characters on the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah, like in this episode, they brought up Emmanuel or Dimitri, you call her what? Boots. Boots, Boots. yes. When she first showed up, I was like, God, not another character. I don't mind day players coming in and having a particular memorable or engaging performance and being gone after that episode. But it seems like they're bringing people in and they're sticking around and we don't know if they're ever going to (laughs) leave. I just don't know if they know who right now they want to be on the cast. Like we haven't seen the cops in how long? Are they still important anymore? Did they, did they abandon that whole investigation? It's like life, Brian, right? I mean, you go through <laughs> life and you meet new people and then you forget people. And I don't think it's a bad thing to introduce characters and forget about other characters. It's just the way it is, right? You did just mention the cops. Okay, fine. Forget about them not being around for now, but you can't have a cast of 10 in a story about life. You have to introduce people, and then people come out. People come in, people come out. Yeah, I guess so. All right, I'm wrong. Well, I mean, no, but, but, but with the cops, it is, right? Because there was so much attention. And they're not even cops, right? They're fed. So there was so much attention on Amanda and her daughter being a terrorist and everything. And then that's kind of slipped away. That is a little weird since they cleaned out her room, like, completely so logic, if we can use logic, if we can even mention it, you know, dictates that they're gonna, it's going to have to come back somehow because they cleaned out her entire room. It's like an empty box. Mm. Even on Law & Order, they never clean out the entire room. They just take a couple of boxes. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Why take her sheets and her <laughs> rug? The conclusion of that scene with Amanda and Clarice was Clarice kind of slipping up, pushing her one God idea towards Amanda. Maybe she thought it was a good time because Amanda was in a state where she'd be receptive to it. Credit to them that, that it didn't show the conclusion of that scene. It reminded me of some of the other shows that I watched that I like where you will see something and you don't quite know the answer to the question. So you, you at least are waiting until the next episode to get a little mini cliffhanger, a little mini cliffhanger. And it wasn't a huge one. It was just something you were like, huh, that's a little carrot. I'd like to see more. What's she going to do? What's her response down the line? 
if they play it right. You know, maybe that's something. Maybe she's going to start. Because she's vulnerable, Clarice will have Amanda be her tool to spread the word or to further her cause. The other thing which was related to that in terms of the way they executed it was the very end. Daniel walking up to the U87 and asking the question out loud if Zoe was in there. Mm -hmm. For a lot of people, they're like, ooh, cool line. For me, I was like, what the fuck took you so long? I've been waiting for, what is this episode now? The seventh, eighth episode? In the very first episode, Cyrus comes along and says to him, this chip doesn't work in anyone else. And Daniel says, this is the one that was in my lab, right? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, hello. From that point, it should have been the end of that episode. He should have walked up and gone, Zoe? (laughs) What? Brilliant guy. Hello. Why did it take so long? So I'm glad they finally got there, but man. So before we depart from that, what do you think is going to be the resolution of that? What does she do? Does she cop up to, yeah, I've been standing here all this time? She walks over the chalkboard and writes yes on it. (laughs) I don't think she's going to freely admit that she's there. I just don't see it happening. For whatever reason, she doesn't want to tell her father that this avatar is in there. So I don't think she'll do it. I don't know how she'll get out of it, but I think they're going to stretch that on a little bit further. I would be very pleasantly surprised if they don't, but that's what I think is going to happen. Yeah, I have no idea. But we have to find out really soon. They can't just go next episode and have him walking around the next morning drinking his coffee and we'll be like, uh, <laughs> you know, well, what happened? Yeah. So they will have to have some sort of answer to that next time. Tamara, why would she not be in New Cap City? Having Boots show up, Emmanuel, I wasn't quite sure why that was. Part of me that's thinking, yeah, she can't die in New Cap City, but she could always be captured and held somewhere and perhaps people realize her worth. So maybe... I mean, is it a trap to get people who realize her worth? Or I didn't quite get why she wasn't out there on the street. So if she's invulnerable, why not just well, walk around? It's a huge city, right? And the last scene of the last episode where we saw her, she was walking off down the street, right? So she could be anywhere. Yeah. And for all we know, between that episode and this episode, she's been kicking some crazy ass. And maybe she's got her own posse now, you know, and she's somewhere deep. And maybe this Emmanuel actually works for her. She's some sort of messiah, right? I mean, she's something totally different. Well, that's an interesting possibility. If she develops as a sort of messiah character within New Cap City. She becomes the one singular god. And so, yeah, people, people start having a devotion to her, whereas Zoe thinks she's all that and she needs to get to Geminon. But really, she's just stuck in this machine and... You know, people were like, they value the machine, but they don't really care so much about what's inside. Yeah, and they've established that your real world rules apply. So it will take a long time to find a young girl, any single person in New Jack City. So something's going to have City. to find. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> New Cap City. We've kind of talked about what are they going to do after this break and where are they going to go? I just don't know where they're going, what they're going to end up doing. I'm kind of rambling, but it's a point to there's too many characters, not enough story. And are they going to get focused after this break? After we've got this new showrunner that's going to sit there and get them focused. Do we think there's going to be a difference? Mm -hmm. I do think there's going to be a difference in terms of production because... From what I have heard from the sci-fi podcast from previous episodes, they talk a little about their 
effects and the budget that they have. And they basically say that the last 10 episodes are many times more intensive than what they saw in the first half. So, and this goes back to something I said a couple of podcasts ago was I always have felt that no matter what they tried initially to do, they wanted to have like positioned it as a Dallas in space or whatever. I thought that the, yeah, you could try that as your intention, but I always believed that if you making a sci-fi show by golly, at some point there's going to be sci-fi in it. And I don't want to get into the discussion about what sci-fi in this instance, I'm meaning it very generically. So I think they're going to trend back towards that, not because it's something that they need to lean on, but just because I think it's in their bones. I think that's the kind of stories they Mm -hmm. want to tell. All right. Here's the portion of the podcast where I get nitpicky. If you've listened from the very beginning, I'm not a fan of flashbacks in episodes where they show bits of previous episodes where a character sees something and gets a dazed expression and you see stuff from previous episodes flash before our eyes so we know what they're thinking. I don't like that type of device. I think it's a cheat because it doesn't give credence to what the actor can do to convey a certain feeling at the time. This series is only seven episodes in, so they don't really have a lot of material to do a lot of flashbacks, so they haven't done it. So good for them. But in this episode, I was annoyed at the device they used for Amanda's flashbacks, where not that they did them because we had to see what she was seeing at the beginning. But by the time I did it for like the fourth or fifth time, I was just like, enough. She'd be standing somewhere and it's like, you see the thing in the hallway. Another scene, a couple minutes later, same thing. Then she's outside and there's the accident. Same thing. I'm like, God, enough. If I was playing a drinking game about how many times she's having these, <laughs> these, uh-huh. these flashbacks, I'd be drunk by now. So that's the end of my nitpick portion of the podcast. Well, they still are doing the... Oh, yeah, the resing or the, the resing thing th- that when you go into the world. That's yeah. Unfortunately, that's going to be permanent. I think that I, is, yes. That annoys me, too. I didn't. I want to bring it up again because I would be bringing it up every podcast because it's just very tedious. Okay. Do you want to move on to grades? Um, I'm going to stick with another C minus after discussing with you to, I actually liked it a little more, which is usually after discussing it, we find each other's, you know, we kind of, oh yeah, it did, was not very good, but I still think it's building and I, I'm hoping that it's going to get better. So I'm going to go with a C minus. I'm going to give it a grade based on entertainment value. I'm going to give it a B. And that's based on what I felt like when I watched it, not what I felt like after listening to you guys talk for an hour and a half. <laughs> what would that grade be? Uh, it would probably be like a D. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry to be the bummer podcast about Caprica. No, 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 no. I just, it's taken me, what, I've been doing podcasts now for three years. It's just taken me that long to figure out what a grade really is, mm-hmm. you know. I'm glad we have because we've had many discussions and debates about that. Contentious yeah, I mean, debates. I had colors before. I don't know if you were around for that, Jesse, but I got tired of the grade, and so I would give it colors, and it took my companions here a very long time to figure out what colors I was talking about. And then when they started to figure out my pattern, I changed my colors. <laughs> I'll give it a C. That seems to be pretty much my most constant grade. So I think we've said all there is to say so absolutely okay there are you know i just want to say one thing uh tory's a whore (laughs) let's not forget tory (laughs) she's gonna be in i read somewhere she's gonna be guest starring and i wish i remember what show but i saw she was on v for a short time yes yeah v is coming back uh, i believe the 30th of march 
I do want to plug the Geek Quorum podcast. Geek Quorum, unfortunately, has had to take a, someone of a back seat to Galactica Quorum because I only have so much time in a week to do podcasts. Water. I was up last night late doing my <clears throat> basketball podcast. So I'm somewhat looking forward to the hiatus that's going to be coming up for Caprica. And we will be plunging mightily into these other sci-fi shows. So if you like our discussions of sci-fi topics, we will be doing a whole bunch of stuff on Geek Quorum. So look for that. That's at geekquorum.com and also on iTunes. You can look us up there. Okay, I think that will wrap up this episode. Our email, again, is gquorum at gbill.com and our voicemail, 301-358-5175. Thank you so much for subscribing. Keep those emails and voicemails coming in. We'll talk to you next time. The jump clock is running. Bye-bye. Say we all. What were we talking about right before we went on this little side trip? I don't have side trips, Brian. We were talking about Clarice. I think you and said something about being wrong. We were talking before about- that. None of that will make the podcast. What? Um, You're not going to mention that you were wrong on the nah, podcast? No, no. Why would I do that? I thought this was about truth. <laughs>